I was having a great time running through my Grandma Berkeley's house. All of a sudden, I felt sharp pain stabbing through my feet and looked down to discover dozens of pins sticking out of both of them. My fun time had quickly been replaced by pain. Pam, my mom and I lived in Grandma and Grandpa Berkeley's house in Sunset, Utah, when my dad was in Thailand during the Vietnam War. The house was small. It faced west toward the railroad tracks and was a flat-walled rectangle with a covered walkway on the front leading to the front porch, which was not quite in the middle of the house. A person had to take one step up to stand on the small front porch, which was maybe eight square feet in size. Once the door was open, it would take one more small step up to get inside. The house was one floor with a cellar with a dirt floor beneath it. The living room was immediately inside the front door. The house was built with a hallway that circled through the home. As you stood in the front door, directly in front of you was a wall that was maybe 20 to 25 feet away. The wall was the center of the single hallway in the interior of the home. It formed the inner boundary of the combined L-shaped living and dining room that extended to the right of the door. About 15 feet to the right, the wall ended and was intersected by an interior wall from the back of the house toward the front. The outer walls of the house formed the exterior boundary of the room to the right and toward the backyard. The part of the room just inside the front door and to the right was the living room. It had large, large windows extending almost the entire length of the west side wall next to the front door so a person could get a really good view of the trains passing by as they sat in the living room. The portion of the room that lay along the south side of the home, running toward the backyard, was the dining room, where a nice-sized table was placed for more formal dining. The back wall had a big window for seeing into the backyard. At the back side of the dining room was an open space leading into the kitchen. The kitchen was what lay on the other side of the interior wall, forming the L-shaped living and dining room. Along the wall, forming the interior boundary of the dining room, were kitchen cupboards, countertops, and a sink. Along the wall bordering the living room was the oven and the refrigerator. The wall then continued northward for another 10 feet or so. Across the room from the sink and cupboards, and about 5 feet across from the fridge, was another wall that ran perpendicular to the exterior wall on the back side of the house. The washer and dryer were placed on that wall. On the backyard exterior wall across from the oven and fridge and perpendicular to the washer and dryer, there was a sliding glass door that led to the backyard. In the middle of the kitchen sat a small kitchen table where the informal dining in the house happened. Circling around the exterior of the house from the kitchen back to the living room were a bathroom, which was on the other side of the wall with the washer and dryer, the master bedroom, and two smaller bedrooms. All of these rooms opened in the single hallway transected by the interior wall in the center of the house. One day, my mom was in the living room sewing. 
I'm not sure what she was sewing, but she had all of her sewing tools out. The sewing machine, the tape measures, the thimbles, scissors, needles, and pins. I was largely ignoring what she was doing. I was having a great time pretending I was riding a horse and literally running around the house. I was running the whole circle. I started in the living room, ran through the kitchen, past the bedrooms, around the corner by the bedroom doors, down the hallway, back into the living room. I did that circuit a couple of times, but when I approached the third time, I could see my mom drop something from her hands just in front of me and a look of horror across her face. I kept running and discovered quickly why she looked so concerned. Suddenly, I felt sharp pains in both of my bare feet, shooting, stabbing pains. When I looked down to see what all the pain was about, I saw what seemed like a thousand pins sticking out of both of my feet, and little spots of blood dotted all around them. And then I realized the awful truth. My mom had dropped a bunch of pins on the carpet, and I had run right through them. My mom quickly picked me up, telling me she was sorry, and immediately began taking the pins out as quickly as she could. I could tell she felt really bad, and I already knew that I did. As my mom took each pin out and consoled me, I realized the pain wasn't so bad and that I would soon be okay. But I also knew that before I received relief from the removal of each pin, I would feel a little shock of pain as the pin was tugged from my foot. I am Scott Crook, and welcome to my journey on the Crooked Path, a not-so-regular podcast of biographical stories about my not-so-interesting life. This is episode four of the Hearsay Season, entitled The Prickly Tagalong. As I discussed in the last episode, our most vivid early childhood memories are generally implanted into our brains by pains or trauma. As you would expect them, Those are the memories that sometimes last the longest. So I'm happy to report that the brief time that we lived in Tacoma, Washington, while my dad was stationed at McCord Air Force Base, must not have been painful at all. The only memory I have of my time there was a fleeting memory of playing on the swings on a rainy day. Sort of a cliche memory of the Seattle area, I know, but it is the only real memory that I have. My remaining earliest memories emerge from the time we lived with my grandma and grandpa Berkeley in Sunset, Utah. By the time we were back in Sunset, Pam had started kindergarten. I was really jealous and lonely. Pam was my best friend. We spent a lot of time together, so it was hard for me when she went off to school without me. It's fair to say that I was shy and timid and that I relied on Pam a lot when it came to the social department. I could always count on her to say a lot and to never shy away from saying what she thought. And she didn't seem to be afraid of anybody. So when she was not there during the day, I had a hard time adjusting and making my own friends. So a lot of the time, it seemed to me that the best thing to do was to wait for her to get home before I tried to talk to any other small person like myself. Not only did I miss her, but I was also jealous She would come home and tell me all the fun things she got to do and all the kids she met, and I would just sit there and think that it wasn't fair. 
I wanted to learn. I wanted to know what letters were. I wanted to know what math was. I wanted to know why animals acted the way they did. She got to learn, and I had to just sit around the stupid house waiting for her to come home to report to me all this stuff that made her so much smarter than me. It was infuriating. And what was worse, in the middle of this year, when she got to go to school, I suddenly started feeling sick. I got these bumps on me and became really itchy all over. You guessed it, it was chicken pox. I had to lay in my stupid room trying to scratch my intolerably itchy skin while she was at school. I would lay in bed and look out the window and watch for her to come home. I was always happy when I would see her and had pretty much figured out what the right time was to start looking for her. One day, though, she was later than usual. I couldn't figure out where she was. I was a little worried, so I asked my mom, and she told me that Pammy had stopped by the bookmobile on her way home. That made me so mad. I love the bookmobile. It was the magical, bus-like vehicle that was full of books. I loved to go into that thing and look at all of the books that I couldn't read yet, but could see all the great pictures. Usually there would be someone in there who would be reading to you as you walked around, and if you liked a book, they would let you take it home for a few days if you promised to return it. Pam was going there without me, and it made me so angry. But then... I saw her from the window. I could see that she had some books, and that made me even more sad. She got to pick out books to read, and they would probably be stupid girl books with princesses in them, or even worse, ponies. Stupid girl stuff. I was going to be stuck inside, itchy all over, miserable, with not even a good book to look at, and stupid Pam was going to be looking at girly pictures in a new book she had never read. But, to my surprise, Pam came inside very happily and immediately came to me and said, Scotty, I got a book for you to read. I was so shocked. I was a little bit worried that it would be some stupid girl book, but it wasn't. It was a book called Where the Wild Things Are by Maurice Sendak. It was a story with lots of wild creatures. That was not girly at all. I was so happy. Although, for the record, even though the book is a children's classic, I didn't like the book that much. It just made me feel sicker because it had all those monsters in it. To this day, I feel like I have chicken pox when I see the book. As I retell the story, I realize that the reason that this memory sticks in my mind isn't my misery at being sick, It was because my sister Pam, who in my eyes was now a big kid who didn't need me, remembered me. She had thought about me and got me the book to read when I was sick and couldn't go to the bookmobile. Not only did my parents love me, but so did my sister. And I didn't have to be tagging along for her to remember me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the hearsay season of my journey on the cricket path. 
Please join me next time as I tell more stories from the haze of my earliest childhood experiences. This is Scott Crook signing off until our next episode. See you soon.